Thank you for joining us today as we walk shoulder to shoulder, growing in love with the Lord and each other. I'm Megan Silas. And I am Pam Marvin. And we are so blessed that you are joining us again today so that we continue along this beautiful journey of the book study that we've been doing. Uh, I know that it's really blessing me. And I'll tell you, the chapters that that we are going to be talking about today is 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 great. That's right. Um, in fact, we alluded to it in the last podcast when we talked about Saint Ambrose, who's often quite connected to Saint Augustine, who we'll be uh, talking about today. Um, so, but we're going through the the book, which is Friendship of the Fathers: How the Early Church Evangelized by Mike Aquilina, and so it it really is. Um, giving us a lot of insight onto, you know, some of the ways that friendship was lived and experienced uh, with early church fathers. And so how long ago do you think this was? Like, do we know, like, what century were they? I guess it's oh, different partic- throughout the... Well, yeah, it depends on what saint we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But for St. Augustine, we're talking about uh, the fourth century. So okay. he's kind of mid 300s. And... Um, I, I tell you what, I, I've been so fascinated by it, Megan, because I feel like there really is a lot for us to learn from them because you can see how culture has started to really like misshape friendships in a way, you know, yeah. instead of it being a true, sincere, godly friendship. Right. And so hopefully we're kind of undoing some of the the negative things that have come along in that in that aspect. Yeah. And I will say this, one of the things that I just have really, really remarked on um, in this book book because um so far it's been all men we haven't had any uh reference to female friendship at this point and i would say uh you know and you know contradict me if you feel differently pam but my experience in this day and age is that uh, it's generally considered that women are the ones that are forming probably deeper, uh, more intimate friendships. That That's sort of a stereotype, that, that that women really prioritize it more and seem to need it more yes, and, yes. and really often go deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's kind of that stereotype that men sort of, their friendships function more in doing things together than like going yes. deep into, you know, well, let's be honest here. And- when you think about the human persons, male and female, God designed us differently. And that's one of our natural propensities with the guys, like you said, more outward driven and women, a little more complex and emotional. Right. But the thing that I'm really remarking on is these men in this book are really having deep relationships. <laughs> They're intimate relationships. Mm-hmm. They're serious about friendship in a way that I haven't experienced much in the way of men these days. In modern times, That right. seem to feel comfortable mm. with this level of intimacy in relationship. And I think the where I really want to hmm. start talking about that is right at the beginning of the chapter with Augustine. He's talking about how he lost a friend who a friend died and this was before he was even converted, so before Augustine was converted. And so uh, this friend passes away, and Augustine, and we get a lot of quotes from Augustine, the Confessions, uh, from Augustine, which if you aren't familiar with uh, that, it's a, and they do kind of describe it a little bit at the beginning of this chapter, that the, uh, Augustine's confession is basically his autobiography, 
but he's written such a way that he's talking to God and he's right. basically pouring out his life to God and how he now looking back on his life uh, after he's come to conversion and belief in God and, and a deeper understanding of who God really is, he's sort of examining his life in that through that lens and, you know, recognizing the ways that he was far from God um, and how that got lived out. And so when he's talking about this friend that he loses the level of pain and loss and desolation that he experienced with the death of this friend, you know, honestly, this day and age, it's like people are going to read this and think, oh, mm, mm, yeah, I bet they had something going on. Right, you of know? course. Like, they can't <laughs> it's imagine. It's the culture that's, like, influenced and kind right, of muddy right. that a but bit. But it, it makes me, you know what it makes me... It makes me sad for men mm -hmm. because it's almost like men are being told you're not allowed this. Right. You're not allowed to have deep, intimate relationships. Well, you know who comes to mind, though, as you're saying that in modern times that actually is a deep thinker that I really appreciate is Jordan Peterson. Hmm. He's very much deep. Now, does he have close friendships with other men? I don't know, but yeah, he's very know. much. Yeah, and he and, and more and emotional, day, too. Right. This day and age, he's become much more emotional. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think historically he was as as emotional as he is now i think the lord seems to be doing a big work in him but mm -hmm. um but going back to augustine when he's talking about this man who who is friend who passed away he said this he says with me this man's mind now aired but nor could my soul exist without him like so he was basically this friend was feeling drawn to christianity and Augustine was not feeling Christianity at that point. And so he was trying to draw this man away from the faith because he didn't want to live without the guy. Um, and he, he really wanted um, them to be of a mind. And it does really speak to that desire within friendship to want to be on the same page, Absolutely. to really be, mm -hmm. you know, looking at things in the world from a similar perspective and experience the world. And might in a I add way. in families as well, because that can be very heartbreaking when your family members do not share that same sure. love. Yeah. And I would say that's because in within our families, we want more than just the obligatory family relationship that, you know, yeah, I love you because you're my family member and I have to love you. No, we, if we really want, to live out our family relationships with any depth and intimacy, what we actually want is friendship within the family relationship. So remember, if you look, remember back to the four loves and family love, which is Greek storge love, uh, it has that sense of obligation, whereas friendship has the sense of a free will choice. And, and the best is to, the, is to have friendship within the relationships that are obligatory, right? Yes, that's what makes it more complete, I have to say. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. But, you know, we also need to foster that in our children amongst our family members, too. That's something that has to be nurtured. I don't think it's super natural, <laughs> not supernatural, but very natural to, you know, have those intimate kind of friendships between siblings, between cousins and things like that. Oh, and, yeah, it definitely has to be worked out yes, uh, for sure. Um just like any friendship. It just mm -hmm. doesn't happen by chance. No, but I know? have to say, I really want to just 
praise God for my grandparents and my uh, mother and her brother who really uh, culture really cultivated that. And there's there's eight of us. And mm-hmm. recently, you know, we're now from like 36 to 57, 60 years old. We got together and just had a absolute ball because our parents had really nurtured that love. Not just our parents, but our grandparents, particularly with outdoor time and you know mm, yeah. family time and so thankful for that so that's just a an encouragement for us to remember to always cultivate deeper friendships within our families right but there is the challenge that um we don't get to pick who our family members are and so differences in temperament and uh you know just and political views and, and, yeah all those things <laughs> yeah. like can can be obstacles. Whereas when we're, you know, engaging in selection of friends, we, we get to make choices about who we resonate with and, mm-hmm. and who we're drawn to. And so sometimes, uh, just that makes it easier, you know, that, you know, that phrase, you know, f- friends are the family we choose for ourselves and that choosing for oneself, as opposed to having to accommodate whatever you've been given, uh, can, can really make, things a little different as far as friends versus family. But I've always felt like, you know, the family is the school of love, the school of virtue. And that's the reason the Lord gives us these kind of challenges within families as well, because it's just an amazing opportunity for growth and virtue there. Oh, absolutely. Whereas I feel like, you know, those friendships that we choose are kind of like the whipped cream on top, you know, that's just a really awesome benefit. That's true also. But then as we go deeper into this chapter with Augustine, and then also as we go into the, the next chapter about St. John Christosom, like you'll find that even in these relationships we were, where we have natural affinities and we truly tend to see things eye to eye, Sometimes we don't, uh, and you know, you get rub up closer against each other, and you can get these frictions that uh, you're going to have to work out. Um, but let, getting back to Augustine and, and his friend who passed away, the interest, and in, I mean, he goes on to say well, after he passed away, at this sorrow, my heart was completely darkened, and whatever I looked at was death. Like mm. he, I was miserable, as miserable as every soul fettered by the friendship of perishable things. He's torn to pieces when he loses them and is sensible of the misery he had before he ever lost them. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he's, he is suffering, like really, really deeply suffering the loss of, of this friend. And the interesting thing about this friend is that he actually had a kind of a deathbed conversion where he got baptized. And Augustine, he wasn't loving that. He struggled with this reality and... He says, I tried to joke with him as as if he also would joke with me at the baptism which he had received when my mind and senses were away from him, but he, but had now learned that he had received, but he shuddered at me as if I were his enemy Hmm. and with a remarkable and unexpected freedom admonished me if I desired to continue his, as his friend to stop speaking to him in such a way. Interesting. And so I think that's a really interesting point in Augustine's life where he's kind of like trying to mess with this friend is like, ah, you know, that baptism, that was stupid. That wasn't real. You know, that's just, what are you doing? And the guy, he 
was a changed person mm. after that baptism. He had a sense of who he was and he felt the freedom to speak the truth and to stand up to his friend Augustine, who I can only imagine was a very compelling figure and probably someone that was a little difficult to stand up to because, I mean, we see his eloquence, mm. right? And sometimes, right. you know, an individual who's very eloquent, even if you do disagree with them, that you can maybe feel a little... Uh, reticent to speak out against that right. person because you feel like they just might dismantle you with their words. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I don't want to argue with them, but right. intellect is pretty grand. Yeah. yeah. So, but you can see how this guy, through the power of his baptism, you know, had a boldness. And it makes uh, me think that, you know, for a baptized Christian, are we living out? the grace of the baptism that we've been given that with boldness to speak truth and to say, no, I will not participate in talking about things of the Lord in a way that's dismissive or not, you know, according to the loftiness of, of what it is to be a Christian. I'm not going to participate in things that are contrary to my faith and I'm not going to allow you to do it in my presence. Right. Can we do that on a regular basis? Yeah. I mean, I think we're all challenged. I know I am in a, you know, a secular environment at my office, um, but I love that I am. <laughs> I like being put in that position because there, there are times, there are times where I do not feel bold or brave or cur have a lot of courage, but then there are times that I do like, mm -hmm. and I think that's just kind of a normal ebb and flow, but to work on being more bold is definitely very uh, attractive to me. Yeah. And I do think it is good that when you do have an experience, if you feel like, hmm, I just fell short in my, my ability to be bold in that place, or I wasn't who I wanted to be or who I feel I'm called to be, to don't let that experience just pass you by and, you know, just sort of maybe, you know, self-flagellate a little bit and move on. To, to really go deeper into that and be like, well, why? What was exactly. it about this circumstance? What was it about me? What was it about the other people involved that caused me to not feel the freedom to be Actually, bold? Megan, when those things happen to me, I don't analyze why I didn't. I analyze or go into how should that have played out? Like, it didn't go the way I wanted. Let me play that out in my mind. So if this does come again, because I believe the Lord lets us fall sometimes like mm -hmm. that. Like, I've made this mistake. I don't want to make it again. So what... What would my response be like when you have time to think about it and think it through? What would it be? And then go with that. That's really important as you, you know, prospectively are looking towards moving forward. But I do think it is always valuable to come to a deeper understanding about what the circumstances were that caused one to not be who they wanted to be. Because often what we can discover in those places is... Um, something about a particular relationship or environment may trigger a place within us that needs healing. Oh, that's so true. Right. And so yes, yes. you're going to be always be more susceptible, even if you have a good plan going forward to not actually fulfilling the plan because you don't expect to be taken to a place of, weakness and vulnerability by 
you know, something within you being kind of tweaked. Yeah. To break that down just a little bit more for our listeners, uh, I'll use myself as an example is that I may not respond the way the Lord would want me to, because out of a sense of vanity and wanting to look good or appear good, I didn't speak up. I kept quiet. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, looking for what's the reason why did I buy that, those vanity lies? Why am I putting my trust in other people? Whereas not the Lord is good to review, Mm -hmm. but then to also review how would I respond to that in the future with more courage and more love of the Lord and more self-confidence. Right. Exactly. Cause even as we were talking about that example of, you know, if you're, you might be less willing to admonish somebody that you have a very, very high opinion of their intellect and their ability to speak. um, Because why? Well, you're afraid that you're not going to come out on the winning end of that. That's you're afraid true. of being embarrassed. Yes, you're afraid right. of whatever. And so then you come to, okay, well, so what? Like, is my speaking truth dependent on my looking good? Is it dependent on my winning an argument? Right. Because right. that's really not what the goal is meant to be. Yeah, and the other part of that is like the be like if someone's prone to anger, you say nothing out of fear of being mm. scolded, right? Which is not a good reason as well. So that appeals or like that downfall is like that sensuality side. I want to stay comfortable, therefore I'm not going to broach that because I don't want to get yelled at. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and that's when we move out of a place of commitment to being in truth towards a place of self-protection. Yes. And, yes. you know, that is that area of self-protection. We should do a show on self-protection because there's so much that, that yeah, that can go on when we are in places of self-protection. And then actually that's a great segue to a, a quote from this chapter that I wanted to bring up. Um, we're still, we're still kind of hanging out with uh, Augustine mourning the loss of this friend And he says, um, but there had sprung up in me some kind of feeling for it was both exceedingly wearisome to me to live and dreadful to die. So basically he's saying like, he's so upset that he basically doesn't want to live, but then he's thinking to die would be awful too. And he goes on to say, I suppose the more I loved him so much, the more did I hate and fear as a most cruel enemy that death which had robbed me of him. And I imagined it would suddenly annihilate all men as if it had, as it had power over him. Mm. And so that place of self-protection where he's basically saying, I'm afraid of everything. <laughs> like I'm oh, afraid to live because yeah. of this pain, but I'm afraid to die because I'm afraid of what death is. Mm-hmm. And you know, finally, you know, he comes around to this under you know, to expressing the reality that um, he's placing his trust and his well-being and his security in something other than God, right? Which will always be passing away. It is always fleeting and never going to be constant because that is the reality of the temporal world. It's it's not eternal like right. God, and so because what happens is Augustine he goes out from this situation of losing this friend to wanting to fill the void. Mm. And that's when he starts getting involved with other friends, which mm-hmm. lead him into Manichaeism, which is a, a heresy that he right. got involved with for quite some time before he came to the truth faith. But why did he get there? Cause he was longing to fill 
some void within him that these relationships were helping him to fill, at least feel like they were full for a short period of time. And I think it really is important to remember that as much as the desire for deep, intimate friendship is a beautiful thing and and can be a very holy thing, Mm. it can also be an unholy thing if you're looking for that person to fill a place that God's meant to fill. Exactly. Interesting. I have to say um, to our listeners that when when Megan moved away, I had this void because of our lively and beautiful discussions on the Lord. And um, so grateful that she's back so we can have these kinds of conversations and mm-hmm. I'm just thankful for you. I'm just going to put a sidebar in there because we're talking about this deep <laughs> friendships. But when you, you say too. when someone left, I'm like, I know there was like a real big void. Um, but it was more of that. Not that God would have, uh, wasn't feeling me, but our, it was like turning up the volume on the love of the Lord with each other. Mm-hmm. So I had it so low within me, but right. with our conversations, yeah. the tenor would rise and be beautiful. And I really miss that. So, so thankful you're doing this with me. Yeah. And I do think that that does point out of like, it's like when we talk about being shoulder to shoulder, right. And and it's not so much that you're turned in on each other as friends, but that together you're gazing out. And when that gaze together is turned towards the infinite, mm-hmm. the omniscient, the omnipresent, the all loving God, it's, it increases the love between you as you more and more turn yourselves over towards exactly. being filled more and more with the love that is infinite, the love that that is pure and beautiful and all-consuming and all-satisfying. You know, the, the one part in here that I think is so beautiful that we're, I wouldn't say missing, but it's a big part of it to put words to is the formation. Because I learn from you, you learn from me, and together we just grow in that formative love of the Lord. And that's what these shoulder-to-shoulder, these friendships are meant to do is the strengthening and the growth. But Yes, formation. I was recently reminded in adoration, the Lord was telling me, what are you doing to continue to grow in formation other than your podcast? (laughs) (laughs) No, I wasn't at, or maybe once a year retreat, Mm. which, you know. Yeah, it's true. And and the reality is, is that even between two people who love the Lord and want to put him first, there are often places of human frailty and, and, and woundedness and things that you can get caught up in in places where you are diverting your eyes from him and 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 seeking things that you know from others that you're meant to seek from him and the beautiful thing is is that when you're in spiritual friendships they're never exclusive they shouldn't be anyway you shouldn't be like well I've got my one best friend and that's it that's all I need you know and you can have other relationships and then you can share like oh well here I'm starting to feel this and I'm losing my peace. And and then, you know, maybe one of these other friends can say, well, you know, what are you really searching for there? Exactly. What are you, why are you losing your peace? Because clearly there's something there. And, and I think that is really helpful. Um, And it does speak to something that I think is maybe important to talk about as far as sharing the realities of one relationship 
with somebody else that you're in a relationship with. Because this place of what's just between two people and what's open for being shared can be a difficult place because you never want to feel like you've betrayed a friend and shared something that was in confidence. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you really do need a perspective that's outside of your friendship um, to kind of give a little more objectivity to something that's going on. And what I have found is that the way to move within that is to always be 100% open and honest with the friend that you're going to be talking about with somebody else and say, look, you know, I needed to bounce this off, you know, somebody else. Um, and I'm going to let you know that that's happened and, you know, or ask in advance if you can, like, do you mind if I talk about this with someone else? Because I just feel like I need a little objectivity and I, there's in no way a part of me that wants to cast any negative light on you. Um, but I just need to talk about it with somebody else. And, and I think a true friend, you know, one who really desires your good and the good of the relationship will say, no, that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead um, and get back to me and let me know what they think. You know what I mean? Right. But I, I think those places of communication where you're being honest and open and not trying to do things behind people's back uh, is really important and very necessary to prioritize in relationships. Otherwise, you're going to end up running into problems. Yeah, make another point on uh- to, to add to this is really choosing that right person to enter into that type of discussion and a, a clarifying point that helped me to realize who those people were is like you were saying, is it someone that has your best interests as well as the person being spoken of too? So mm-hmm. that objectivity, instead of going to someone who just wants to down talk someone, you know, like it needs to be someone that truly has your personal growth in the Lord at their, in their heart. You know, that's so vital um, before you ever speak of anything about another person. And they also, I think should have been tested and proven to be someone who's not loose lipped, shall we say, you know, uh, (laughs) um, but I think this is actually a good stopping point because we're kind of talking about, you know, when you do run into issues and especially communication issues, because we've decided that this chapter with St. Augustine is so rich and there's just so many facets to discuss that we're going to do it in two episodes. So maybe we'll take a little pause here because we're going to move on to from him dealing with the loss of that friend and then ultimately coming to conversion and, and understanding that he was trying to fill in his life what God was meant to fill. Now we're going to go on to his relationship with St. Jerome. <laughs> which is a bit of a hot mess and has some communication issues. So um, we're going to, you know, continue with the chapter on St. Augustine uh, with the next podcast. Hope that you have been blessed about with what we've talked about so far and that you will join us uh, for that next time. And until then, let's stay united in prayer. God bless. God bless.